Did you know that the perfect snack exists that not only has the yum factor, because that's important, but also packs a real protein punch? I'm talking about Wonderful Pistachios, a complete protein providing all nine essential amino acids. Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. Now that's a snack you can feel really good about. It's hard for me to currently pick a fave because they have several flavors to choose from, including no salt and jalapeno lime options. But if I absolutely had to, I'd say I'm in my no shells, wonderful pistachios, sea salt and vinegar era. It's the ultimate snacking solution for when you need a quick, convenient and tasty boost of pistachio goodness straight out of the bag. Whether you enjoy the ritual of cracking open each nut or you lean towards the ease of no shells, Wonderful Pistachios has something for everyone. It's time to elevate your snacking game with Wonderful Pistachios. Visit wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more. Hey, beautiful brown girl. You're now listening to the Brown Girl Self-Care Podcast. My name is Bree, and I'm the self-care fanatic over at browngirlselfcare.com, and I'm also your host. Um, on the show, I'll be sharing uncensored discussions, products, and experiences that will hopefully leave you feeling empowered and ready to level up your self-care practice and flourish. So today, actually, I am trying my hand at my very first interview, um, and I'm really excited. I was able to connect with a super special woman on Instagram, and her name is Sierra. Um, Sierra is actually someone I admire because she takes her health care very seriously. She runs melaninwell.com and melaninwell is a website that offers um, conversations surrounding nutrition and mindset and fitness. Plus, she has a blog as well. And one of her goals is to um, educate us our community on why extreme restriction and diet culture is holding us back from the lives we desire. And also she wants to spread the word that wellness is not only accessible to us, but it's attainable, which is super important. Hello, Miss Sierra. Hi, how are you, Bree? I'm well, how you doing? I am doing well. So you have a really interesting background and I just I'm just ready to kind of just jump <laughs> right into the nitty-gritty um guys I mentioned that she um is the founder of melaninwell.com and she has um, a blog like I mentioned before and she has two blog posts on her website um that really really stood out and caught my attention one of them is called make me black or is it why did god make me black or is it called make me black yeah, yeah. why did god make me black why did god make me black and that's what i want to mm -hmm. talk about today amongst other things and then you have also um the blog post called belt buckle yeah yeah and that one um is in regards to i guess sexual assault so i'm not sure yes. if we'll dive into that but if you're open to it i would love to cover as much as we possibly can is that okay no i'm i am absolutely open to it i think one thing if i can just be bold enough to say this i feel like a lot of women of color a lot of black women we have dealt with assault on some level it's either we've been assaulted we know someone that's been that's been assaulted it's either it's been our 
like BFFs or someone we knew in high school or um, our mother or, you know, things of that nature. So when I read your article on that, it just made my stomach like churn. It just brought up, you know, a lot of things for me. I mean, what gave you the courage to even write that article? Because it's pretty bold. And can you tell us more about it? Yeah, absolutely. So whenever I started Melanin Well, it wasn't like this strategic thing where I was like, okay, this is exactly what I'm going to do and I'm going to make it work. It was more along the lines that God was like, Sierra, like, girl, I need you to do this thing for me. And it's probably going to be really hard at times, but like, I need you for this mission. So um, I kind of decided to rebrand my business and, you know, target towards black women. And once I started it, I knew like one of the big things that I was going to have to do was share really hard stories. Um, And I knew this was going to be one of them. And when I decided to share my sexual assault story, it was when all of the R. Kelly stuff had gotten brought up again. And when mm-hmm. I tell you, <laughs> it wasn't even the actual instances, because I'm very familiar with, you know, everything they talked about in the documentary. It was more the posts that I saw from other people on social media and how insensitive specifically black mm-hmm. men were on the post. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to be mad at first, but then I realized that, you know, it's like, I think a lot of these men just simply don't realize how many of the women that they know and they love and have in their lives are victims of sexual assault. And I thought about myself and I'm like, you know what? I bet a lot of people who, of these men that do follow me would never, ever think that I was a victim of sexual assault. And God was like, Sierra, I'm looking at you like you got to share your story like this is your this is a moment for you to do that. And so my goal was, yes, to share my story to other women who could relate. But it was also more than anything. I wanted men to realize that it could literally happen to anybody, no matter what we look like, no matter how together you think we are like it happens to us. And um, so what I did is I decided to write my story. I was sexually assaulted in college um, and it was actually my boyfriend's friend. And it was a tough story to share because I hadn't ever really written it out and sat down and thought about it in its entirety. So the toughest part was sitting down and like saying, okay, this is what happened first. And then this is what happened second. But once I got through that, I felt really good about it. It was a release. The craziest part about the story is that mm-hmm. once I shared that I was writing this, I decided to do a poll because I wanted to include some statistics from like my followers. And I asked my followers um, how many of them had been sexual assaulted because I knew it would be an insane, crazy number. And it was, it was like, you know, mm-hmm. it, it was over 75% if I remember correctly. And all of a sudden I had this idea and I was like, you know what? I wonder if I could get like seven or eight of those nearly a hundred people to share their story with me and allow me to tell their story within my posts. And when I put that out there and I messaged all of the people in my poll, I got like way more than just seven or eight stories. Like 
it, it was wow. insane the response that I got and I can't even remember how because honestly after I put that out and I had to take a break it was a, one of the one of the mm. emotionally hardest things I've ever done um but I got tens of stories you know and it was crazy that all of those women and men some of them were also men trusted me to tell their story so if you go and you read the post mm. yes the big part of the post is me sharing my story very vulnerably and vividly but then once you get towards the end of it it's me sharing all of these story one-liners um that i collected from all the victims from my social media and it was crazy i remember after i got my first seven i was like yes i'm gonna hit my goal and then i got 10 mm -hmm. and then i got 20 and at some point it just oh it became very overwhelming it was but it was awesome it's probably the coolest thing that I've ever been a part of. And so many of the women told me I was the very first person that they ever told. And I was just mm, like, my what? gosh, it went viral yeah. in a way and it's sad, but it went viral in a way that we would never ever want anyone to go viral. Does that make sense? What I'm trying to say? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, I, expected, so much. I expected people to want to read it because I, you know, anytime you write a blog post, your intention is to write the title and the picture and do everything in a way that makes people want to read it. So I knew that people would want to read it, but I had no idea so many people would want to participate in it and be a part of it. And that was just, it was, it was crazy. And yeah, it, did, it went, did go viral in a very, it was a sad way, but it was also a super mm -hmm. freaking empowering way. Cause all these women were like, I'm taking control of my story. And they did it with me. And I yeah. was just like, me? Oh, all right, cool. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I love that. I'm curious to know, and I'm not sure if this is too nosy, but I know. So I um, was molested when I was a child. And mm -hmm. I know that's not on the same level of what you had to experience, um, but it is still like sexual in nature. It's sexual assault, but just on a different level. Mm -hmm. um, and there was just a lot of, I guess, it was just swept under the rug, if that makes any sense. It was swept under the rug, and it was like it was just no big deal um, by the – I was molested by my cousin. My cousin. I didn't mention mm -hmm. that before. But I was molested by my cousin, and he and his family, it was just like – it was just no big deal. And on top of that, I remember oh, – Gosh, I don't even know if I should say this or not, but my mom was, or maybe it's just how I processed it. I don't know. But my mom, because I, I didn't tell anyone, I didn't even tell anyone because I was so scared. I think I was maybe like eight or nine years old or something like that. Um, and I was just really scared. So I didn't tell her for a while. And when I finally told her, she, I, I felt like she was mad at me because I didn't speak up. You know what I'm saying? But that was such a major mm -hmm. thing for a child to carry. So I'm curious to know, because you were a little bit older, obviously, and you did go through something much worse. But how how did your family, did they like embrace you when this happened or, or what helped you to heal, you know, once you were able to to share what happened? Well, first and foremost, what happened to me is no it isn't any worse than what happened to you. I, like 
I personally, like you view what happened to me as worse, but for me, I'm like, I think what happened to you is worse. But I think that for, I think, you know, survivors, I know I was calling everybody victims at first and I got a lot of feedback that people want to be called survivors. So today I'm going to mm-hmm. use the proper word, but a lot of survivors, um, I think it's important for us to kind of put us all on a level playing field. It's just like, you know, assault is assault and everybody processes all kinds of different assault differently. But for me, it would be very hard for me to deal with the breach of trust between a family member. Mm -hmm. So for me, the molestation within a family, those are really hard for me. Those were the hardest stories for me to read. I had a couple of stories where women were molested by their fathers. And I hate Mm -hmm. to say this, but those were all black fathers. And that really bothered Mm -hmm. me. That really bothered me. But for me, honestly, and just like you said a couple of seconds ago, I don't even know I should be saying this, but I, I didn't really I didn't tell my family and honestly mm-hmm. um a lot of my family pro- probably heard learned this from my post um mm, and I think oh for gosh. me yeah for me you know I didn't want to chicken out <laughs> I knew once I wrote this you know if I like went around and sent it to every single person that I'm like I feel like they should know before other people know I felt like people would read it and then they would discourage me and then I might not be obedient you know I might not have listened to God's call to share my story and, and I prayed about it and I was like I'm just sending it out there I think I'm I mm-hmm. think I did send it to um one of my sisters before I published it um but it just felt I felt very aligned with just releasing it and that's what I did and if you guys you know read the post in the post I even say that like I just didn't talk about it like it took Mm -hmm. me a really long time to process because it happened I was very very afraid of losing my relationship and so in order to preserve my relationship I felt like the best thing to do was to just pretend like it didn't happen like we addressed it like I'm not gonna, I don't want to take this to court. Um, the guy ended up leaving my school. Um, and so I, I just literally pretended like it didn't happen. And I think maybe it was mm. maybe two years later, I was having a conversation with a guy, um, one of my guy friends and I told him and um, I told a few of my close friends, but other than that, it didn't really come up. And it it took uh, several years. And actually, it took the failure of that relationship that I was trying to preserve for me to like really sit down and like unpack all of it. Um, And for me, it was um, for me, what was most healing was just time and solidarity. Like, (laughs) I spent a whole lot of time unpacking that, unpacking a lot of other trauma, childhood trauma that I had. I spent a lot of times, a lot of time hiking and listening to like contemporary Christian and praying and doing things like that Mm -hmm. to really unpack it. Um, It wasn't like this, you know, team effort where I like worked with my family and my friends. It was just like, it felt it was, it's a, assault is a very intimate thing. And for me, mm-hmm. it was like intimate within myself. And I'm like, I have to unpack this myself. There's nothing for me. I felt like there wasn't a lot that any um, of my family members could do. But I will say on the record, I definitely talked to my therapist about it. So don't get it mm-hmm. twisted. Okay. I, didn't, I didn't only <laughs> consult with myself. It is something mm-hmm. that I did talk to my ther- therapist about. I did do that. 
All right. Hashtag therapy for the, for the win. I love it. I'm a yes. big fan of therapy. Yes, so yes, I'm yes. glad that you said that. And you're right that everyone's the way they handle it is of course, personal. It's all self-care is personal, but I personally yeah. am like a huge, um, believer in not only helping yourself, but also see, going outside yourself whenever you're ready to do that and get mm -hmm. some outside like therapy or coaching or counseling or, or something, because that's stuff that we bottle up inside. It can just do massive damage. So kudos to you for being strong enough to, to do what you did with the blog post, with the therapy, with everything that you've done so far to just heal from that trauma. Now, Speaking of your childhood, um, you had a very interesting childhood and that kind of leads me to the second post that you have on there. Um, the one about, you know, why, why was I made black? Um, and in it, you kind of talked about how you never really had, um, more than what was it your dad and like your next door neighbor, many like yeah. black role models in your, in your, I guess, community or in your um, mm -hmm. school and, and things like that. Um, it made you kind of question some things. Um, can you tell us what was that like growing up being like one of the only black kids, like in your, in your school? It's not just in my school. So I grew up in a really small town in West Virginia, not Western Virginia, but the state of West Virginia. People always get that mixed up. Mm -hmm. So we want to get that hashed out quickly. But yes, so <laughs> I grew up in West Virginia. And not only did I grow up in West Virginia, but I grew up in probably one of the smallest counties in West Virginia. My high school had like, you know, less than 500 kids in it. And I graduated mm -hmm. with like 125 people. And I think under the of the 125 people I graduated, a couple of us were black, like maybe three or four of us were black. I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Um, it literally probably was no more than three or four of us were black. And in this entire school, it was probably like maybe 10 kids. So mm. and most of those 10 kids were biracial, which doesn't make them any less black, but it still kind of shows you like visually what you experienced because a lot of the kids that technically were black still didn't look like me. So mm -hmm. I, um, it was interesting. Uh, the first time I ever got called the N word was in first grade. Mm. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Can you school. take us back to that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was in school. And honestly, I don't have, I don't remember a lot from my childhood, but I do remember that. And I remember exactly <laughs> who it was. And that person is now a teacher. And it's sad because it's just like, how does that even happen? Like, you know, in first grade, like you, you're not, you don't even speak that well. It's like, and that word is already a part of your vocabulary. But yes, the first time I ever called the N word was in first grade. Um, wasn't the last time, <laughs> but it was interesting mm. because yes, I did get called the N word in first grade, but I wasn't super aware mm -hmm. that like I wasn't that I was like black and the other kids were white. Until I was like a little bit older and like I started to play sports and that type of thing. And like other kids started to become aware of it. And I think that's mm -hmm. kind of what made me super aware. My dad always done a really good job of like letting me know that like life is going to be different for me. And like I need to be hyper aware of my surroundings and how I carry myself. Um, but I think it probably wasn't until middle school until I started to feel super alienated. Like I was always popular. I was mm. always an athlete. But like. I was a the black popular kid, the black athlete, you know, there's a difference. It was in like you you saw in my post um, because of that, like my identity was 
I was an athlete. If I wasn't an athlete, you know, I didn't want to know what, what I would become. I didn't, because all of the kids who were black and weren't athletes, you know, they didn't have great reputations. Like their lives didn't, didn't pan out very well. And they were super alienated. I thought I was alienated, but the kids, you know, looking back on it, a lot of those kids that I'm thinking of right now ended up in prison or overdosed on drugs mm. because they didn't, they didn't get the same type of education or treatment that I did because oh my gosh and i hate to say it this way because it's going to sound bad mm -hmm. and i i do want to pre i do want to say first that like i do love my hometown and i do appreciate my hometown and there are good people like where i where i'm from and like actually like where i am working from right now but i will say that to some extent you know i got different treatment because they i was needed like you they needed mm. me to mm -hmm. you know to win games like they needed my best friend katana to win games and if we didn't play our sport if we didn't play our role we weren't useful and we weren't as important so being an athlete was literally like all i was <laughs> like that's literally oh it gosh. and i think that is that is how things end up for a lot of black kids because from a very young age we are taught that either you get a scholarship or you don't go to college and if you don't go to college you won't make money and you'll be poor and you'll grow up and you'll be just like me and that is the conversation that a lot of black parents have with their kids not realizing like what they're teaching them like and it's not it's no fault of theirs because you know we don't know any better that's how they were taught you know we you know we weren't taught like you can get an academic scholarship because the playing field is not as level for us with academic scholarship. You know, it's mm -hmm. very visible that we can dribble a ball and we can make a layup and we can block shots and we can do all those things. You cannot deny that. But when it comes to academic scholarships, you know, there's an essay and there's all these other things that the person that's reading it has like that. They have a little bit of wiggle room as to say whether they're going to let Jamal from Compton into their school. But they're going to let Jamal play basketball because they need him to win those games. Mm. So it's it's it was tough at times. I had a lot of really I had some very weird, crazy things happen to me that I didn't realize how crazy they were until I was older. Um, mm -hmm. And if you if you go to the blog, I did three part series. But the craziest thing was um, when I decided to write an article about why the rebel flag is offensive. I knew that I would mm -hmm. get pushed back from that, but looking back on it, you know, and I talk about it in the blog, but it's just like, literally like all of the, all of the ah, redneck kids, I hate to use that word, but there's no really other way to describe it. Like barricaded themselves in the auditorium and wanted me suspended. People took my article, wrote the N word across it and, and taped it to their shirt. My dad had to come and get me from school their parents didn't have to Holy come get smokes. them my dad had to come and get me and the next day when i came back to school because you better believe my dad wasn't going to let me punk out and not show back up kids mm -hmm. were going around the school with rebel flags on their backs and rebel flag bandanas <laughs> and in the moment like i was taught to like just like i'm supposed to be strong like so my dad is like you're gonna go you can act like nothing is going on but looking back on it it's just like holy crap like that really happen and the saddest part of it all is that it's been brought up on facebook from time to time and there are a lot of people that will just be like that did not happen 
But that absolutely did happen, and it was not that long ago. Wait, we're, I mean, wait, 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 wait. They're saying that that whole ordeal did not happen, and you just like made it up. Is that what they're basically saying? Yeah. I mean, we're in this like weird era where people want to believe that like racism doesn't exist anymore. So I've been told myself personally that like I look for racism or I create racism. I make things that aren't racist, racist. And to justify that situation, they're like, I, it didn't happen like that. Like that did not happen. Like you may have written an article, but all of those things didn't happen. And I'm like, I know it's hard for you to hear. I know it's hard for you to remember. I know that like that incident, like kind of like clouds, like, your memory and like what your viewpoint of like where you live it clouds that for you but like trust me honey (laughs) it definitely happened and it was just in 2006 it's not like it was like in the 80s like this was not that long ago um Mm -hmm. but yeah I think the big thing is like we're trying to believe that like we're this like new progressive country that like you know, mm. we we nominated a black president. How can we be racist? How do we right. treat a black president? <laughs> I love that. Oh, I mean, so, yeah. and his wife. Don't don't forget about that. Calling her all kinds of monkey Listen. and mannish, and you know, just all of that stuff, and wanting to see papers and. Listen, yes. Michelle. We but we we got to give Michelle some respect. We got to put some respect on it. Michelle Obama. Oh is yes. the queen of the universe. Michelle, and it's just like, and that shows you how truly racist of a country we live in, that you can look at that image of perfection of Michelle Obama and see anything wrong. Like, if I could, if I ever was reincarnated, I want to like come back as Michelle Obama, and you have the nerve to call this lady a monkey, like that shows how truly racist you are, because she is a freaking goddess. A goddess. Dude, it's like, uh, between... Yes, everybody, well, I shouldn't say everybody loves Michelle, but I would assume that most of the listeners love Michelle. Um, but it's crazy to me and kind of to go off topic, but it's like any time that there is a strong black woman at the center of attention, I found that people just always want to tear that person down. And it's not that you have to like, for example, since we're speaking of Michelle Obama, it's not like you have to like Michelle Obama, but damn it, you need to, like you said, put some respect on her name because she mm-hmm. is the, pre- not the president, she's the wife of the president. You know what I'm saying? And any time, I've noticed lady. that. With, right. So I'm like with Michelle, and then you notice with Serena Williams, just different things like that. Mm-hmm. Anytime there is a strong black woman, heaven forbid she be too dark skinned, heaven forbid she be too muscular or too athletic or too intelligent or too black or whatever the case may be. I swear, man, before they left the White House, I was hoping, wishing and praying. And I don't know if they did this. Maybe I missed it. Because I know one time she did have like some cornrows or braids or something like that. Right. (laughs) But it's like I wanted them just to have a (laughs) backyard barbecue have they do rags on music blasting just something just to be like you know i don't know maybe i'm just being petty but i was just like the level of class that that family displayed i'm not on that level i'm i'm not on that level at all because there's no way in hell i would have had the same level of of class there's just no way i i just couldn't do it it's i already know my... I, I would be <laughs> 
it's one of the things that I admire most about Michelle. It's and and Barack. It's like that. Um, oh, I don't even know what the word is, but it's just like their ability to remain calm and remain classy and it's like you know when Mm -hmm. they're at home like they are talking mad junk like you know know. that they are like (laughs) they are like giving the dozens at home but in public they're gonna be like i know you're waiting for me to pop off honey but i'm but you're not gonna get me you're not gonna trap me and i love it i love it because you know that's what they want us to do I know we are poked and prodded because they're they want us to be like dance monkey dance do be like you see that is what I want to see yep right they're like see you see you see what happened you know that's exactly like it's just a setup dude it's just a setup that's that's what they want (laughs) and that is so true they never did no and that is what is so amazing to me because on one hand I mean we have the Obamas, always the epitome. I mean, what was the worst thing they could say? Politics aside, okay, let's, politics aside, what was the worst thing that you remember that they said about Obama? Do you remember about the tan suit? And like now weed is legal. Like that was the worst thing to me. It was like the weed, um, but it's like weed is legal now. So it's like, and you guys. Who showed you that it was okay to aim high and go for your dreams while also just being yourself? For me, it was radio host Big Boy, Oprah, and KTLA news reporter Gail Anderson. In part, these people are the reason why this podcast specifically exists. This is the power of Black representation in media. The next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is more than a podcast. It's a celebration of Blackness from NPR where every voice is as distinct and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In this collection, you'll find stories of joy, resilience, and empowerment. Each episode, a living account of what it means to be Black today. From the intricate narratives of The Wire to the wisdom of Michelle Obama and the urgent call for reparations, Black Stories, Black Truths really is the truth. Space wasn't always made for our perspective, so NPR's new collection is necessary as it celebrates the richness of the Black experience. Here are a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcast that center Black voices. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR wherever you get podcasts. My hair is kinky, it's coily, it's beautiful, it's all the things, but the dryness is real, so it's also prone to feeling parched. This is why Waze Anti-Frizz Cream is my new BFF. It not only changes frizz, but helps my hair feel more hydrated. Listen, summer is coming. We are trying to be outside, going to brunch, plus traveling, and summer activities aren't always kind to our strands, okay? So let me tell you what I do for this. I wash my hair every one to two weeks. Don't sleep on Waze Detox Shampoo, by the way, if you have hard water or buildup. I detangle. I smooth in a little of the Way Anti-Frizz Cream, then shingle in my natural gel. My hair is frizz-free, it's hydrated, and it's cute for days. Love sleek styles? Waze Anti-Frizz Cream works as a heat protectant up to 450 degrees as well. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E-O-U-A-I dot com and enter promo code self-care for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I dot com, promo code self-care. Feeling more grounded and relaxed is Black Girl Peace for me. And so I really need that while doing things like 
uh, tackling my to-do list or even braving this crazy LA traffic. If you know, you know. So something that helps me tap in is Recess Mood. It's a delicious sparkling water made to enhance your relaxation time and mood without any alcohol involved. So what you will get instead is real fruit, mood lifting magnesium, and stress balancing adaptogens. And again, no alcohol plus no added sugar. So I've tried all the flavors and I really, really like strawberry rose. It's like um, a little burst of peace in the middle of chaos because again, for real, navigating this Cali traffic is insane. Now, recess mood is not only my go-to for staying balanced while on the go, but it's also good for chilling at home too. It's like having a little slice of relaxation right in the palm of your hand. So next time you need a little pick-me-up without the alcohol, without the hangover, give recess mood a shot. It's been a fantastic addition to my routine. You deserve a healthier way to unwind. Head to takearecess.com forward slash self-care and get 15% off Recess Mood, your go-to alcohol replacement. Not even a big deal. So you can't say nothing about the Oh, yes. Um, Well, I was like the the tan suit. Remember when he wore that suit and they just made a whole big deal about the tan suit and how it was just inappropriate and unprofessional and unbecoming for a president. That was like the worst thing they could come up with to deflame, deflame. Oh my gosh. Defame (laughs) this black man. But then we have number, what is he? 45 on the other hand. Yeah. And I wish I could say that it was just his suit. And that was the worst thing. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's like the two don't even yeah. compare, but that's a whole nother conversation. But I'm just like, okay. All right. All right. Well, so cool. Um, what I want to know is because again, I know you have the site Melanin Well, which is popping. Mm-hmm. And Thank I know you. you talk about your experiences and stuff, but I want to talk about, so you started this, like, why did you start this blog? Like, or this, this website, why did you start Melanin Well? Well, okay. So to backtrack a little bit, I had been in social work for eight years before I became a health coach. I'd worked um, in community corrections with adults. Um, I'd worked for, you know, private facilities with um, troubled teens. I'd done a lot of different type of work. And in Charlotte, I worked for the Department of Juvenile Justice. And that was like what I viewed as like the ultimate job. Like it was always like the long-term goal. I was like, that's the job that I want. And once I got it I, and I still didn't feel like fulfilled, I was like, man, like I have to figure out like what it is that I want. It's like, I know I want to help people, but it's like, I ventured off to think it's like, man, like I might be able to help people and not be a social worker. Like, is that possible? So I started to think about like what I was truly passionate about and more than anything, I was passionate about my health. Um, And if you've seen the blog that I talk about a lot, I had a health scare um, in college where I was Mm -hmm. like perfectly healthy, like a college athlete um, and just got really sick one day, like through like Mm -hmm. projectile vomited, like during a game, like it took them a month to figure out that like I had a blood clot in my kidney completely crazy. They still don't know where it came from. They think that it may have been from birth control, but we still don't for sure know what it came from. Um, And Mm -hmm. that whole situation, like, 
I wasn't allowed to move base because I was on blood thinners and I was used to, like I said before, like my entire identity was an athlete. So once I wasn't even allowed to like shoot in the backyard, I was completely lost. Like, so I went into like a very deep, dark depression um, and I eventually gained like 50 pounds and Mm -hmm. it actually happened very, very quickly. Like it was a very quick 50 pounds. And I Mm -hmm. just became, once I found my groove and I figured out like how I was going to take control of my health, I just became obsessed with everything, health, fitness, nutrition. I just became obsessed. And I was very passionate about sharing all of that with everyone. And when I came to that crossroads in my career, in my social work career, where I was like, what do I really love? And it's like, I love health and wellness. How can I make that my career? So I decided to start a health coaching business. And um, so two years ago, I started my health coaching business and before it was called CFIT Coaching. And I kind of just helped everybody. And um, I recently went through um, a pretty bad breakup last year. And that was another crossroads for me where I was like, you know what? I'm happy helping people, but there's something else that's missing. Um, and I sat down with um, my business coach and we we're like, we need to, we have to figure out like what, how we want to brand your business. Like, who do you want to help? And I remember the call like perfectly. And I was like, Chris, you know, I really like, I know I can't do this. I know I'm not allowed to do this, but I would like to help black women. And she was like, no, 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 no. You can do that. You can do that. You can do that. And she was so excited that I said it. And I was like, hold on a second. Like, that's okay for me to do. She was like, absolutely. And it is so needed. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, Mm -hmm. are we going to do this thing? And and from that moment on, like, I was like, that's it. And very quickly, I was like, Melanin well, like, God just like, was just mm. like, laying, laying it all out for me. He was like, Sierra, like, this mm-hmm. is exactly what we're going to do. And at many points, it was like, absolutely terrifying, especially being from West Virginia. And like, I knew that there were a lot of people from back home that a would not understand why in the world melanin well would need, even need to be a thing like how how does a why does a black woman like need special attention like why does a black woman need her own space for health and wellness it doesn't make sense to a lot of people but i also knew that it would seem kind of racist to some people and i have gotten questions um but yeah that's how it came about it was just like i was it's like every time i come to a crossroads it's like god is like all right sierra i'm about to send you something crazy get ready girl and that was Melanin Well. And it's been and it's been amazing. Like um, it took me a while to kind of figure out what that meant because I knew that I wanted to help both women of color and non-women of color. But really what Melanin Well is about is, you know, talking about our specific issues because life does look different for us. We we do speak to each other different. We do feel more safe. Um, with each other, with women who look like us and understand our language and understand our culture, but it being an all-inclusive space too. So the way I describe it to people is, you know, Melanin Well is, you know, it's for women women of color, but it's also for women who love women of color. If you love us and you care about us, you can absolutely be a part of it because it's important that you understand us and you understand our issues. So within my um, group on Facebook, it's a blended group. Yes, it's mostly black women, but there also are white women in the group. 
And honestly, and this is probably the first person, first time I've ever said this out loud, but when I first started Melanin Well, I thought that I could like, I would only, I was only going to help black women. And then I remember like, just as soon as I started the group, a white girl requested to be in it. And I was like, Mm -hmm. why in the world would she want to be in the group? Like, like, Mm. why? And and I was Mm -hmm. very confused. And I was like, I freaked out because like, I didn't know what to do. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, you know what? Like, we talk about how important it is for us to have conversations. So it's absolutely important that, you know, if you love us and you want to be a part of it and you understand like why it is important for us to have these conversations, come on, girl. And I haven't had a single issue yet you know what i was just about to ask you that because um though you do have some allies in the group have you dealt since you've started the blog that focuses on you know melanin and our wellness um Mm -hmm. have you had any naysayers and if you and if you have like how have you handled that to where you are still you know in control of like, I guess your self-care and not just, just going nuts. Like, how do you handle that adversity? To be honest, um, I haven't had a lot of adversity to my face. I've been told things that have been said, but honestly, and just like we both keep saying, I hate to say this, but the most (laughs) opposition, the most opposition that I've had have been from like family members. Um, you know, family members mm. that have questions because just because you're black doesn't mean you think the same. So I know that like when I first decided to do it, you know, I had a family member be like, so are you, do you only want to help black people? And it's like, no, like, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just I like, I, I we have specific issues that I want to make sure that are addressed. Not only that, you know, the wellness community is so whitewashed. Like it's so whitewashed mm-hmm. and the number, sure and this is. is something, this is something I'm, been, I'm writing about right now, but am I allowed, am I allowed to say a cuss word? Girl, shit. Yeah. <laughs> okay. 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 Just making yes. sure. I yes. am sick and tired of mm-hmm. good <laughs> shit being white people shit. Eating healthy mm, is white mm-hmm. people shit. You know, working <laughs> yeah. out is white people shit. And that is the yes. reason Re- why. Like reading, reading is white people white shit. White people shit. Okay. It's like anything yes. that advances us, anything that makes us grow <laughs> is white people shit. And all of the bad stuff, fried chicken, you know, black <laughs> church, which is good. Don't get me wrong. But it's like all of the, it's like it, it, the good shit is white it, it makes no sense and it like bothers it doesn't. me so much and that is the exact reason why melanin well is necessary because you we needed somebody not to say that i'm like yes. extra special or anything but we needed somebody to step up and say hey all of this stuff is not white people shit it's necessary yes. we need it if we if we want to grow like we need to eat freaking vegetables we need to eat freaking fruit we need to drink our water we need to do those things as black people and i'm not the only black woman that does that and i'm not white or right. weird because i care about my health and you aren't either so if you are curious about it but you're afraid of what your family will think or you'll be afraid to go to sunday dinner or you'll be afraid to go to the potluck after church like, I want to give you a space to be feel safe to ask questions and figure out what your wellness looks like for you. White people don't go through you that. You know what? 
No, because I mean, this is not, this is, this is their country. Like they've, it, it's primarily white. So anytime a black person or a person of color interrupts that space, it's like seen as like this major thing. But hell yeah, people, black people, we drink water. We, we use and shea but butter and eating vegetables and, and exercise. We're doing all that stuff, but we just, it is whitewashed. Um, one of the podcasts that I listened to, oh, what is it? Her name is Les. I think it's Balanced Black Girl. And yeah, she was using Les, a hashtag. Les. I do too. She's so cute. Um, I think it's well, is it wellness so white or something like that? That's the hashtag yeah, that she uses, yeah. wellness so white. And it is when you get on Instagram, because that's where I primarily am spending my time when I have time to scroll. You put in just a general hashtag self-care, for example, or wellness or whatever, holistic healing, whatever it is, I would say that 85, 90% of it is going to not look like me. I'm going to see curated photos and pretty little pink colors and tan colors and, and trees and someone outside in the sunshine and, you know, that kind of curated stuff. And then in between those posts, you know, I'll find a black person here. Oh, there's a black person there or a woman of color there or whatever. And it's just, it's, I hate it. I hate it. And so when I see like people like you or less or just other black women that are in the and brown, I keep saying black, but black and brown women in the space, taking up space proudly, unabashedly, unapologetically. It just makes me feel so excited because damn it, like when I see that, it just, it just, it just confirms for me that we're out here, you know, we're out here and we're doing these quote unquote white things. I hate that because it's not white. We're out here doing, yeah. we're out here living. We're out here doing the same things. We care about our health. We care about we care about the same stuff white people care about, okay? But we are not but the primary people in this country and social media doesn't reflect us as well as I feel like it should. It doesn't. And the another issue for me was that when you do see black people that are in the health industry, it's like super mm -hmm. like fitness focused. Like we're not really talking about what we're eating or, you know, meta how we're meditating. It's more about like booty workouts and the physical. And that's another one of my pet mm -hmm. peeves. Like if I never see another booty page, I'll be like ecstatic for the rest <laughs> of my life. And it's just like <sighs> e everything that's targeted towards targeted towards us exploits our insecurities. And it's just like, listen, one of my favorite things, uh, I I love Hennessy, Cardi B's little sister, because I think that she's just like so mm -hmm. cute, but she always says little mm -hmm. booties matter. And I'm like, yes, Hennessy, <laughs> little booties do matter. Like whatever booty you have is okay. Mm. And it's just like, when she said that, it seemed like such a small thing to most people, but I'm like, no, it's such an important thing to say in this comment, because we have women risking their lives to look like video mm -hmm. vixens who have fake butts like that's not even her real butt and it's like we're like getting butt shots shots in hotels and doing crazy things to look like somebody else when however we look is fine and it's like we i was like one of the biggest things i wanted to do was change the conversation and switch the focus like forget about how your booty looks how the hell do you feel
Like, that's what I want to know mm -hmm. how you feel. And if you change the way that you eat and you drink more water and you do all those things and you start to feel better, your body will respond and you will look better. It, it, it's not, there's hmm. not a trade off. But if you only focus on the physical, you more than likely will never look like what you want to look like that image you have in your head and you all absolutely hate yourself and you will feel like crap there will always be something wrong there will always be something to change and through it all you have poor health and you still don't know how to eat hmm. i agree like i do think though that we go ahead i'm sorry no go ahead you go ahead girl Oh, I was just going to say, I do think that there is a place for us in the fitness space and um, talking about getting your booty right and all that stuff. But yeah, I do think there yeah. needs to be more balance um, because but I think every, I think a lot of people are more, especially on social media, they're just so focused on the body that maybe that's what is prevalent. But um, we do need not only just physical fitness, because that is crucial, too, because I know that I tend to have times when I don't exercise at all. So sometimes I'll see that inspiration and that motivation. I'm like, okay, let me get my life. But yeah, I like to have a blend like exercise, um, mindfulness, um, water and juicing and, and affirmations and, you know, things like that. So I think the balance is maybe what we're lacking on social media because everyone or not, everyone, but yeah. Absolutely. Ba and balance, I think that it's something I haven't said on this podcast, but it's something that I say on my platforms a lot. And it's for that reason. Now, do not get me wrong. When I say that we're more prevalent in the fitness industry, you're right. It's more about there not being a balance. It's more about like the intentions and like the type of content that is that is produced and what we see when we look at the hashtags. But like fitness is very important to me. Do not get me wrong. This little booty that I have mm -hmm. right now is like it was constructed with fitness. Like I do this like little baby butt I have right now. I love, but I love the way it looks, but I created it and I get that. And, you know, that's why fitness is a part of my programs, my coaching programs. Um, And the main reason why I wanted to make sure that it was an all encompassing program was because. I wanted women to know how to move. I wanted us to learn how to mm -hmm. squat. Like I like my clients are confident in their ability, their form. And I think for a lot of people, when you see like a lot of just like these like fitness accounts that post different videos and highlights, they post like these super complicated moves and give you like this series of things, series of things that's supposed to build your booty that we really don't know how to do. So we stay beat up and we stay in pain and things don't work for us. And then we get defeated. And it's just like this cycle. So fitness is absolutely important. But I, the one thing I want people to know is a how to move, how to do things that are supportive to your body, but also have more than a reason other than the way that you look to do it. Like, I want you to understand that, like, yes, squats make your butt look better, but like squats improve your posture, like squats make you stronger squats, like support your entire body squat squatting is a full body movement. Like, you understand what I'm saying? It's just like, I don't want it to just be about the booty. Mm, well, girl, I can't even do squats because my knees <laughs> squats because <laughs> my knees hurt. <laughs> Hashtag my knees hurt. So, um, but yes, squats, I would love to do them. Absolutely. But, um, 
I agree with you. I agree with you 100%. So I know that you talk about nutrition on the blog and fitness and all that stuff that we've kind of talked about, but what is um, Melanin Well Academy? Uh, Melanin Well Academy is my baby. It's online um, where you have nutrition, coaching, fitness coaching, everything all in one. So my mm-hmm. the clients who work with me every day, they um, open up their app. And they have four different cards, you know, one that gives them a workout that breaks down all of the movements, teaches them all of the movements. They have another card that teaches them a habit. So it's habits-based coaching. So I'm not only going to teach you like what to eat, but I'm going to teach you how to eat. So we work on mindful eating. The entire program is habits-based that way. I'm a 16-week program. Um, where, you know, it's completely transformational. Like, yes, your body is absolutely going to change. We're going to snatch you together, but your mind is also going to change and we're going to snatch you together. And I love it. And I'm so proud of it. And my girls, it's just been awesome. It's been really good. So yeah, that's Melanin Well Academy. Cool. So let's slow it down and kind of wind it down a little bit. I want to ask you, what are like three ways right now, like right now that you yourself are, are practicing self-care and it could be anything. Ooh. Okay. So I'm very glad you asked me this question because, um, I am like snatching myself together right now. (laughs) So one of the biggest ways is that I have been really being very mindful of how much I am moving. So I'm doing a movement mm-hmm. challenge in my group and I'm encouraging all my ladies to, you know, get more movement, not cardioing yourself to death, not doing extra workouts, but like just physically moving more, getting more steps in. So one thing that I'm doing is I'm going on a lot of walks and The reason I'm excited to share that is because I think it's really important for business women, for for black women who like have busy jobs to realize that like there is time to carve out. You just have to like make it a priority. So for me, my time came from and you can definitely relate to this because you're creative. So do you ever have those moments where like you're switching from one project to another or you are having like, you know, writer's block or whatever? And like, you're just sitting there twiddling your thumbs and it's like 30 minutes have gone by. You still can't figure out what you want to do. Instead of me sitting there for a half an hour, once I start to feel that feeling of confusion or brain fog or whatever, I get up and I go on like a 15 minute walk. Probably my second thing is really prioritizing sleep. And number three would have to be in this really this is this is number three on this list, but it is number one to me. Number one definitely mm-hmm. has to be um, carving out time for my faith and prioritizing that. Mm-hmm. I think a, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people think that you know, as a um, I hate this word, but influencer, like we're mm-hmm. supposed to try to be a little a little PC. Um, and that's one thing that I was nervous about, but honey, I'm gonna talk about God because there would be okay. no Melina well without God. I love that. I love that. All those things you said for me are like life, every single one. And that's amazing because I know that we all come from different walks and, you know, someone else may have t- three totally different things if I ask them that question and that's okay too. But yes, sleep 
taking the meditative walks and just carving out time to to pray and and just to talk to God or whatever it is that you want to do. I I love all three of those things 1000%. So, thank you for sharing that with me. So, you know, I guess we're to the end of our call and I want to thank you so so much for your time today. Again, you were my very first guest on the show. So, Sierra, where my dear can we find you online? Okay, on Instagram, you can find me at I am Melanin Well. That is my tag. You can also find me on Facebook. Um, you can just search my name, Sierra Brown, for my personal profile. But I have a super popping Facebook group that I love so much. Um, right now, we're doing a free masterclass series where I'm like giving a like a high level free training every single week and like giving like the tips and the tricks okay every tuesday at 7 30 mm. um and you can find that group facebook.com slash groups slash melanin well and you can find my wet on my website melaninwell.com um the way my website is set up is that just as soon as you hop on you're going to immediately see all of the different sections from for blog posts so you don't even really have to go to a special mm -hmm. section you can go to my main website melaninwell.com all of my articles are divided up by nutrition fitness the movement and when i say the movement it's things that are um like racial stories, injustice. That's where you can find um, the story about my sexual assault. Um, and there's also a mindset section. Um, so yeah, I think that's all the places that you can find me. Um, yeah, Facebook, Instagram, and on my blog. Yeah. All right, all right, all right. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. I want to thank this week's guest, Sierra Brown of melaninwell.com. If you'd like to check her out, guys, be sure to check out the show notes where I will have her Instagram, Facebook page, and um, her Melanwell Academy information listed in the show notes. That is it for this week's episode. I will see you next Monday with another episode of Brown Girl Self-Care. Have a great week.